Facebook. Hey, Twitch, what's up? Happy Friday. Getting started a little early here. Waiting to be raided into for the Friday Night Hype, hosted by the Basecamp crew. Shop podcast. I'm your host, if you want to call it that. Uh, I'm Brad Biggs. I'm with 13th Step Tone Solutions. I'm here with Jonathan Grissom. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Introduce yourself to the people, oh. man. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what we're doing. Come on, man. Like, put me on the spot. I'm Jonathan Grissom. I'm with uh, More Bands Media and uh, morebands.com. Uh, my name is Wilson Powers. I am myself. I don't know. No, I'm uh, the editor for the show. Uh, small promoter. I guess we all are in some way. At not. this point, yeah. Yeah, we're all well, just small promoters. Hopefully, I think w with the whole more bands umbrella that this is under, it could be basically a multiple media outlet type of deal, you know, just get different art out there in different channels. Yeah, but above all else, you know, we're fans, you know, yeah. and I think that that's, uh, that's part of the reason that we're all here, you know. All right, today... Now, this is something I'm not real familiar with, so forgive my ignorance on this subject, but uh, we have uh, DJ Undertaker Pre with us today. How are you doing today? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not my DJ name. Oh, that's what? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, all right, what's your DJ name? See, I told you I'm ignorant. So, so I actually I don't have a DJ name. Um, I just go by my first name, Preeti. But um, but you're not totally mistaken. I mean, on my Twitch handle is Undertaker Preeti, and so now in the Twitch universe, I'm known as just the Undertaker, which I never wanted that. I should never have made that my Twitch handle. I did not want that. That is awesome, though. I mean, <laughs> I didn't want those. It's funny. In ten years of DJing and five years of being in the funeral industry, I never wanted those worlds to collide, and they finally are now. Not by design, just kind of organically, and people love it. I mean, people, it's not just a gimmick. I mean, I, I actually am starting a series of live streams soon where I'm combining my DJing with my funeral directing and there's gonna be a series of grief support, a grief support group basically, oh, cool. for people who like DJing and that culture, um, or just, you know, anybody, I mean, we all process grief differently. Music is always a part of it. Yes, exactly. I mean, and music is touches people's heartstrings. So I thought, why not combine music and electronic music, which so many people in that universe love, along with my ability to facilitate a support group. So in the chats, you know, I'll be introducing topics of discussion in the chats, and then I'll be playing music that goes along with each of those stages. So it's going to be five episodes, and each episode is on a different stage of grief. Oh, cool. So when we play Anger, we'll have some real music. <laughs> right on. So, yeah. That's awesome. So Sorry to go off on a No, no, no. That's what I'm, I'm, I want to, I'm interested in, in just getting to know you because Jonathan said that, uh, oh, she does DJing. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, let's, let's hear it because, um, like I said, I'm, I'm immersed in rock and metal sure. and blues and that stuff. So this is definitely new. And like you said, it's, it's kind of still an underground cutting edge type deal. So... And then we said, well, she's also a funeral director. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> well, so, uh, so my name is Preeti, 
and I've been a DJ and a promoter for around 10 years. Um, I worked in the life, nightlife industry for almost 20 years. I started out as a cocktail waitress, then I worked the door at clubs in San Francisco. Um, and I've lived all over the country because I had a, before I became a funeral director, I was in software sales. And I worked for some, you know, really large tech companies and some startups and I lived all over the country. I lived in Boston, I lived in San Francisco, I spent a long time in New York, we were at, that was actually where I was born. And um, that's how I got into DJing and electronic music and that whole culture was just kind of, you know, in my 20s, trying to make some extra money working at working the door at clubs. <laughs> so, okay, well, okay, those cities you mentioned are big metropolitan cities. Yes. So is the difference of trying to create a scene in the middle of Oklahoma versus a, a big metropolitan like that, like, so the difference with like those metropolitan areas um, versus a place like the middle of Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a, Oklahoma City is a huge city. People don't realize the, the square mileage of it. And it's so mm -hmm. spread out that, even like your popular genres of music, Oklahoma's mainly country, western, a lot of country, a lot of pop. But even even that is hard to draw a crowd in Oklahoma because every everybody's got to come in from you know 45, 50, 60, or more miles away to see a show. So what's what experiences have you had that differed between a place like Boston or New York versus Oklahoma City? Um. Well, so when I moved back to Oklahoma. I was in New York City and I had actually, while I was out there, had given up nightlife and DJing because I was focusing on my funeral career. And Oklahoma was a really good place for me, for my funeral career, I wanted to be near my family. So I came here not with any expectation of trying to DJ. So I didn't know anything about the scene here because I didn't look into the scene here. I mean, I just wasn't interested. I mean, not in a mean way, I just, you know, I was focused on right, other stuff. Right. And only after being in Oklahoma a couple of years, I sort of just, it's a funny story actually, I was dating a gentleman who was a DJ and he wanted me to help him get gigs. He knew I had a lot of experience booking and promoting and I told him I wasn't interested for myself, but I would help him. And I called up a popular local venue and I said, you know, I started trying to book him and they said he's a little too electronic for us, like too underground and but they looked at my social media and they said you know we like, kind of like your style like can you send us something that you do and I, <laughs> I was like I don't I'm not trying to book myself and uh, I don't know to make a long story short I don't want to you know I don't remember how it all went down but they ended up booking me to headline for five hours and I hadn't played in years much less you know I wasn't really that's a big gig five yeah. hours Yes. Whoa. <laughs> I, well, because DJing, it's not like a band where, I mean, you get a lot more I don't know much about bands, but I would imagine you'd get a lot more tired. You know, your vocal cords, everything. You know, you have to take breaks in your set. Whereas DJing, I mean, you can play for hours. As long as you have the energy and you don't need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you can play for hours. So, um, so I booked this gig and it went really well. And after that, from then on, I just keep booking gigs here. Now, they don't fall into my lap. I do have to hustle for them. Um, I think to outside people, they probably think, oh, they just fall in her lap. It's a big hustle. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like running a small business. 
but, it is, uh, but, essentially. Yes, but doing that one gig kind of, it's like that, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's like, it, you know, in The Godfather, just when you think you're out, they pull you back yeah. in. It was like that. And I just, the bug bit me again. And I thought, I got to keep doing this. And, and it inspired me to challenge myself as a DJ and learn more of the, you know, because I was behind. I mean, I, DJing in two, three years can change what the industry standard is as far as equipment goes. And so I had to level up a lot. I'm still leveling up. But that was a couple of years ago. And since then, I've, you know, become probably one of the more popular. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I am definitely one of the popular local DJs around. And that's, I'm really proud of that because it took a lot of work to get there. Absolutely. Any small business for that matter. I yeah. mean, but I've been in bands and I went, I was so young. I went into it with the attitude, oh, we're just going to, you know, jam out these chords and party our balls yeah. off. And if, you, if I went into it with a business mindset back then, it would have changed everything. I know, right? You know, but you just do it for, I mean, I literally was just, learned how to DJ because I worked in, I started, you know, I graduated from working the door to throwing my own parties and I just wanted to know how to set up the gear, you know, and then I was like, this is fun, you know, <laughs> so I never answered your question about the difference between Oklahoma City and other cities though, because I kind of got off tangent talking about how I got started here in Oklahoma City. Well, I mean, the difference in between like, not necessarily just crowd draw, but, um, the, um, more like, I guess, the culture of the cities versus, it seems like a place like New York and Boston, we'd be, you'd have more people, it'd be a bigger scene. Right. You know? And actually, Dallas is emerging as one of the major dance music scenes in America right now. Hmm. Um, yeah, Texas is huge. Yeah, Texas, think, Texas yeah, as a whole. Sure, I think. Right, Texas as a whole is huge, and Austin has been emerging for a while, but Dallas is really, their underground scene in electronic music, especially with techno, um, is really impressive. And um, But yeah, Oklahoma City, I was pleasantly surprised when I came here how many really good DJs there are here. And um, and there's a lot of people who are really into some really niche under... Because I thought here it would be really commercial and mostly EDM and dubstep stuff. And there's a lot... That is very popular here, but there's also... There's a little underground scene. It's small, but it's significant. And, and it's hardcore, passionate. I imagine. Those it's fans passionate. are fans, yeah. But the problem that we have here in Oklahoma City is bringing that together. Because the scene here is, even though we are a big city, and we are a big enough market to have events, there's not... The scene is too small to be fragmented. So the challenge right now as a community with the DJs is us getting along and coming together and working and collaborating on events so that we can, because our scene can't afford to be divided. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you too with the last year, I know on the rock and roll world, 2020 has been devastating. Um, some of the bands that I saw were right on the cusp for now they're in that position of, do we pack up and go get jobs or do we you know, dig in? And we talked to some guys last week that they dug in and, and now it's like, it's a big gamble, you know, but I think things are starting to open back up. So how's the last year kind of forced you to adapt, so to speak? Um, I'm lucky that I have a day job. Um, and I was starting to really get, find some success. I mean, I was literally every month I had at least two or three gigs, which for me is huge. I mean, you know, 
Um, I mean, I consistently had gigs every month. So I was like really at a good place when the pandemic started. And so it, it definitely, but it, and it definitely hurt me, but it hurt my friends more who actually, you, you know, their entire income is based on touring and DJing and, you know, even selling music because less people are touring and DJing, less people are buying music or people have less money. So they're ripping tracks instead of yeah. buying it legitimately. Um, Not buying, buying merchandise and stuff either. Yeah. Merchandise yeah. is like the main pool when you're at a live venue. Yeah, just like for buy sure. t-shirts or buy Yes, t-shirts, people aren't going out. So why do they want to buy merch? So nobody's buying merch. So it's hurt everyone on multiple levels and levels that we don't even really consciously think about. You know, besides just booking gigs, it's hurt people on many levels. That being said, despite all of that, I've you know i've 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 been able to dj a lot more than i thought um i dj'd all summer outdoors you know oklahoma was open since may so i played outdoor venues i still got called to play vape gigs i turned them down if i didn't feel like they were safe um you know i had two or three offers for new year's and we had a big surge so i didn't feel comfortable um and then this live stream thing i mean i started live streaming probably in October of last year, but I didn't do it regular. I didn't have a setup at home. So I went to my friends, you know, if, if I was invited to be a guest DJ, I would go to somebody else's place and play. When I got my setup going at home, it exploded. <laughs> and so now I stream probably an average of three times a week and I'm booked out until June. Well, nice. Yeah, I wow. have, on my calendar right now, I have 12 streams and two live gigs coming up between now and June. And so that's really exciting. I've never DJed this much in my entire life. I don't get paid for all of these, but it doesn't matter because I'm uh, I'm at home. <laughs> so it's not like I have to drive somewhere and carry all my gear there. So I don't mind doing, and it's almost like in the beginning, I mean, I think for everybody who's in any kind of performing arts, whether it's DJing or bands, you got to do an element of kind of promo stuff, you know, some free gigs, some not very high paying gigs. You get stiffed out of getting paid. Yeah, for you, sure. Or you play for drink tickets. So that's what this Twitch is. We're all starting all over again. So some of us have to DJ for free, but Twitch has programs. If you have enough followers, enough of an audience, you can monetize. Um, you can get tips through Venmo and PayPal. You can sell merch and it has rejuvenated the DJ scene for all of us. We are not only able to continue to express ourselves to an audience, which is like food for us. I mean, that's like air we breathe. We mm -hmm. have to express ourselves to an audience. So not only can we do that, but we can also make money. We can also promote ourselves. We're networking. I mean, you know, I never have, I'm a local DJ, I'm a workhorse local DJ, so I never have an ambition beyond playing, you know, a local bar or something like that. And I just debuted on a radio show in London. <laughs> I mean, that I never dreamed of such a thing. And Twitch has opened that door for me. And I've met DJs from not only all over America, all over the world. I mean, these gigs I'm playing coming up, I'm doing shows for crews in Sacramento, Los Angeles, New York City. London, I'm flying out to New York in May to talk about some collaborations with people beyond my wildest expectations. So I, I, the pandemic has been a real tragedy. And as a funeral director, I've firsthand witnessed a lot of that. 
but I have to say a silver lining for me has been this whole Twitch thing. It's opened up doors that I never thought they wouldn't have opened up me just keep playing like I was playing before. Yeah. So it's been, there's been a really good silver lining. That's awesome, man. That, that's, and that's good that it, it strikes me that you, you still do it for the right, for the reasons that you started doing it. You know, it's the same reason I wanted to be in the, in, in the rock and roll world. Uh, you know, basically I got fed up just doing the day job routine and I said, fuck it and turn my badge into work and, and I said, I'm just going to do this now. And my wife was like, okay, well, if you're going to go. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, my sister's an accountant. She's actually helping me set up a small, I'm at a point now where I have to set up a small business. You know, I got to hire people. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not full time, but I have contractors who help me work on, I mean, I started out doing everything myself. I learned Photoshop so I could do the flyers by myself. I, other than a friend showing me a few things, I've taught myself how to play. I taught myself about the industry, working the door, observing what was going on, you know. I'm in my 40s now. So with that age comes this sort of perspective where, you know, you just kind of see all of this all of this didn't fall in my lap this came from years of hustle yeah and years of doing things that i didn't understand what the point of what i was doing and it makes sense only now but you, you know? knew you had to do it yeah 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 all that back in the day when i started i was broke and so i just bought some gear off craigslist you know i'm so glad i did that if i started out when and i bought was and i had the money i have now and i could just buy hot gear i wouldn't have learned how to fix things when they break down I wouldn't have learned how to, when you go to, when you get booked for a show and you show up and the setup's real janky and you weren't told, I, I can figure it out, you know? Halloween, I had two gigs. I played for five hours all day and then I had a nighttime gig. And, you know, I was not very well prepared. I hadn't had heat and pow, pow, power in my house for 10 days. Oh my okay? gosh. And I showed up at this gig and just plugged in and played. And to the audience, that is how it's supposed to be. They don't realize that's actually, that doesn't always happen. DJ's coming in, oh, uh-oh, my software is not compatible. Oh, no, my tracks aren't analyzed. and I don't have the right driver installed in my computer to run this rig, you know. Smooth as butter. And that's not because I'm awesome. That's because over the years, I have made so many mistakes that I knew what to do to be able to do that. So I think... Surviving in this doesn't matter what city you're in and you you know, you're a musician too, you know yeah. You got to have drive hustle a thick skin and humility You got to be able to handle rejection for mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean in one of the one of the prime things that uh, Showcase a musician's talent David Gilmore from Pink Floyd said this I always remember it is isn't a musician that can make the newest gear sound good It's the one that can make the vintage beat up old gear sound good so mm -hmm. and now i think because he said that the vintage market is thriving like it is <laughs> if people only knew although that. honestly some of that old gear sounds better yeah, to be sometimes. Honest, like like okay I mean, for example i just bought a cheap you know you i mean you guys i'm sure even though we're not in the same worlds we know a lot of the same manufacturers so you know roland oh for sure makes yeah. drum machine so I just bought this cheap beater mixer, you know, for just for outdoor vinyl gigs. And I bought this Roland, 
but I know it's not actually a roll. It's got the roll and name on it, but it was not manufactured by the same people who manufactured the drum machine. It's manufactured, you know, in a cheap factory, and they, but they licensed it, if that makes sense. And so it's not going to have that same richness and warmth that a normal Roland product is going to have. So where am I going with this? I guess what I'm going with this is not about the brand name. And sometimes newer things, these companies have changed a lot and they're not manufactured the same. So if you can get like a vintage piece of gear, it's probably in some ways better than a new one. It, well, especially when you're in my, in my world, like the tube amp thing, it's there's, there is something that comes from a vintage tube amp that you don't get from a modern solid yeah, exactly. state you know it's, yeah it's a subtle difference but the longer you play and the longer you hear yourself play you're like you hear that difference in tone yeah it's you know or turntables versus digital i mean it's obviously going to sound warmer and richer coming from a vinyl record but there's also a reason why people use digital right i mean it's more convenient you have you can play more music you know, but well, and in, in the rock and roll world, the preference for digital is becoming because, and I've experienced this personally, if you're playing through a tube amp, you're having a great session, everything's hot, we're cooking, and then you turn that amp off and a cold front moves in overnight. That amp will not sound <laughs> the way it did yesterday, and it'll never sound like that again. <laughs> so the digital, at least when you turn it off at night, you turn it on in the morning, it's going to sound exactly, for continuity, it's great. But yeah. for live purposes, I always prefer the the older vintage gear. Me, Yeah, I do too. I mean, I like that stuff. But at the same time, I try not to get too bogged down either on audio. F I mean, most of the people, drunk people in a club are not audiophile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not trying to get bogged down by that, but I guess the the direction, you know, they're kind of going all over the place with this, but the direction that I'm trying to go is, because I know there's other people listening, and there might be people listening who want to get into DJing, do not be intimidated if you can't afford the latest CDJs and the latest this and that, you know, there's, you're going to do a lot better. Honestly... Go out, buy some used equipment, see if you like it. You might not even like it. You know, you might like the idea of DJing, and then you actually start doing it, and it sucks, you know? And and if you like electronic music, there's so many other things you can do besides DJing. You can produce music. You can be a promoter. You can be an agent. You know, you can just, like a booking agent or whatever. You can do so many things to help build that scene and promote this music that we love so much. You don't have to be a DJ. Right. But if you want to be a DJ, you don't have to have the best stuff. Because if you get all spoiled using the best stuff, nine times out of ten, most parties and clubs are in a janky bar. Or it's a rave that nobody got the right permits. And, you know, so you got to be able to play on anything. You got to be like, there's so much focus on uh, one upping each other and being cooler than the other and who has this and who has that. Don't get bogged down by that. Just focus on you and rocking a party and having a good energy and like don't worry about who has this and who has that everybody you know we all we're, we're in the entertainment business there's a lot of fakery mm -hmm. you know so don't get bogged down by seeing people's name on a fan anybody can slap together a flyer that looks really hot don't worry about it just play the music and rock the party yeah I mean 
that pretty much sums it up pretty perfectly right there. I mean, if, if it's, and that's the other thing too about it, any passion project, if that's something you love to do, you're going to be involved in it. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the role that you dreamed about. Like I, I would have, the idea of being in a, in a touring rock and roll band is a beautiful idea to me, but realistically, I don't think it's something I would really enjoy long term. But I still love music. I want to be involved in that scene and talk about it. And so that's, you know, you can still do things that are involved with that and not necessarily bog yourself down with yeah. the, the life that goes with it. Totally. Know? I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously now at my age, like, it's not realistic for me to think, oh, I'm going to be famous at DJ. And I don't, you know, I, I don't plan to. I don't want to. That's not something I ever wanted. Like, I like my career as a funeral director. But... I love to DJ, I love having the opportunity to play for other people, and I'm going to do that as long as other people want to see me play. And uh, and honestly, a lot of people end up financially making more doing smaller things. The irony is, you make a lot more doing small-scale things. So, for example, like the wedding DJs in town. No, that's not small-scale. Please don't take it like I'm downgrading wedding DJs in any, I, I, I don't do weddings because they're so difficult. It's a lot of work, mm. but they make way more financially than somebody like me who plays clubs, you know? Um, so if you're trying to make money DJing, you're actually going to make a lot more money being just a workhorse local that picks up a few residencies and does that than trying to quote-unquote, make it as a DJ, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just really hard. It's so competitive. Everybody And the barriers to entry are low. The price of computers is going down. The price of all this gear is going down. So many people give up this hobby. You can find used gear really cheap on eBay. So the barriers to entry are next to nothing. I mean, you could start DJing on your phone. <laughs> so, so that also, you know, you can't be threatened by other DJs because there's always going to be some. But, um, you know, you just can't be, you cannot get bogged down by the image, the flashy stuff. Yeah. It's actually the people doing the least flashy stuff that are succeeding more. Because you need to be able to, like, feed yourself while you're trying to make it. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about, like, um, when you're composing your stuff, uh, does that come from, like, a music theory like lay out a map of this is how we're going to go and, and this, that, and the other as far as chord changes, structure, or is it just like, I like this, we're going to do this? Like, is mm -hmm. you kind of wing it? Like, how do you, as so, far as composing your stuff? Some DJs have a very serious musical background. Like, I have a friend of mine who, you know, she has a master's in music, she's a music teacher, she sings the national anthem at Major League Baseball games. So she has a very serious professional background in music. And then there's others who've never played an instrument in their life. And that's what's really cool about DJing is that the only requirement to be a successful DJ is rhythm. It's um, that I would say the closest equivalent would be like a percussion instrument. And I have some musical background. I mean, I did play orchestra in high school and stuff, but I don't, you know, I don't have a serious musical background other than that. Um, it is helpful, but it's not necessary at all, no. Hmm. I do think that the beat is important because, like, I can't tell you how many drummers I've met that can't count to four. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's... Brad knows what I'm talking about. It's... Uh, it's strange. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna... Uh, no comment. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I like that you brought that up because I don't know anything about... I don't know much about profession, but I like that you brought that up because I remember this one time I was in a club in Dallas and I was kind of drunk. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't playing, so <laughs> I was enjoying. Um, and yes, yes, children, if you're listening, when you play your gigs, don't get drunk. Um, but so anyway, I'm at the club, I'm dancing, and I told, I remember telling my, my uh, partner at the time, I said, you know, if you can count to 32, you can DJ. <laughs> and so... I, what I mean by that is like it's really important to understand phrasing you, like anybody can just you know Pandora can drop a track you know and and with all these algorithms they can analyze the track and almost create like we joke around about DJ Pandora being really good but if you're trying to mix tracks to get art and science of actual DJing involves matching the beat and blending two three or four tracks to sound all like one cohesive experience, you know, where people don't even notice you've gone to the next track. And that there's an art to that. And so you need to understand, you know, so you do need to understand some level of music theory. My, when I said you don't need a musical background, I meant more like you don't need a prior one, but you're gonna have to develop one if you For wanna sure. be a good DJ. You have to understand phrasing, um, harmonic mixing, where you're mixing two, you know, you're mixing two tracks that are like in a, a key that sounds good. So you don't cause like the average layperson on the dance floor, they don't know, they may not know about keys, but they may get the subtle off feeling if the track doesn't sound good with the other track. And yeah. so understanding, so the more you can understand about DJ specific music theory, the better the DJ you're going to be because you're going to be able to creatively mix better because you know when to bring that track in, you know, when is a nice clean, time to bring that track in oh and certain I, oh go ahead go ahead well and i think that's important like the more that you learn about any particular field that you're trying to get into the better off you're going to be i mean i've met some musicians who are like oh no i don't want to learn about that it's going to affect the way i play it's like well that's the point like learn a little bit more about what it is that you're trying to achieve so that way you can perfect your sound mm -hmm. like isn't that what we're all trying to do yeah exactly like i mean so there's a lot of DJs who are like, oh, I don't like EDM, I don't like dubstep, I don't like this, I don't like that. And I obviously have my preferences. Like, I like drum and bass. You know, I consider myself a junglist. That's what we call drum and bass DJs, or drum and bass fans are junglists. And that's what I like, that's what I prefer. But I also play techno, I also play house, you know. And then lately, because of this whole Twitch thing, and networking with people i've been listening to music that i never used to be really that into like hardcore and like trap and rhythm and dubstep and i'm like you know this is really interesting and then you start incorporating some of this stuff into your dj sets and now my dj sets i don't actually know what to call them. people ask me, what kind of dj are you and i'm like i don't know if i can even call myself a drum and bass dj because you could listen to one of my dj sets and you might hear five different genres in one I might play a little funk and soul, a little drum and bass, a little breaks, a little house, and it's going to make sense, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, like with musicians in general, like, we like to listen to everything, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, when you ask somebody, like, the one question that people, like, dread hearing is like, oh, what kind of music do you like? Well, 
going to say like every kind of music, right? Yeah. And so like a question that I've asked here on the show before is like, what genre of music do you always find yourself coming back to? Like, what's the one thing that hits home for you? For me? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, I mean, the funny thing is I actually don't listen to a lot of electronic music. Say it isn't so. I'm the same yeah. way with heavy yeah, metal. Yeah. I, I love I mean, heavy metal, playing heavy metal, but realistically, I don't listen to a lot of heavy metal. Yeah, I listen to electronic music to the extent that I'm going through tracks to figure out what I'm going to play, or I'm trying to familiarize with the track so I know how I'm going to mix it. And I listen to my friends' DJ sets. And don't get me wrong, I do enjoy electronic music. It's just that I love, low-key, my favorite thing is classic rock. Like, when I'm embalming, at work. That is awesome. That's what I Where on. this is going. That's just the and best thing. And I'm actually planning on doing a DJ set actually of classic rock. But that's what I like to listen to. And then I started out as a hip hop kid. I was into social consciousness hip hop. I went to Rock the Bells. I went to Smoke and Groove. I mean, that's what I like. That's what I, if I'm going to be chilling out, hanging out, that's what I'm going to, I don't want to hear pounding 175 BPM, yeah. you know, and and so and it helps bake you a better DJ. You 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 know you're you can incorporate different styles of music and like I want to get other people to like drum and bass and a lot of people don't know about it because it's such a niche genre. Well, the best way to do that is if I incorporate other music into my sets. That's more maybe you know like I have a friend of mine. She plays hip hop and drum and bass and she goes back and forth between both genres and it really even people who ordinarily don't even like drum and bass like it because it's like hip-hop with a little energy well yeah. and that's like really important because like as a musician in general you go back and forth between several different things because like the idea of learning to play what you want to play is that you're going to play what you want to play and mm -hmm. like uh like uh darren malakin the the guitarist mm -hmm. from system of a down like when he started out, he was super into heavy metal and everything like that. And nowadays he listens more to like Grateful Dead and the Beatles and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like they say that you're a different person every 10 years. And I think that that is huge in your taste in music as well. Because it's something like, because you come across new music that you like and you uh, go back to some things that you haven't heard in a while and mm -hmm. things like that. And it's true. I think that it really um, affects people in different ways, especially when... You know, it's a matter of like studying it or understanding it a bit more. And like, uh, you know, there are so many things where like the drum and bass are so foundational, but they're also controversial as well because yeah. of everything that you can do with it in mm -hmm. uh, the DJ style. I'm not a purist by any means. So maybe another DJ listening to this might think, oh, she's full of shit. <laughs> but, you know, there's no, most of us are self-taught, you know, there's no like rules. The only rule is to rock a party. And okay. so, right? So for me, I'm not a purist. I want to listen to other, lots of things. I don't even want to label myself. I'm just a DJ. I'm just Preeti. I don't even have a DJ name, you know? Um... And listening to different stuff helps. And so kind of circling back to where you were asking about Oklahoma City, every city has its own flavor, you know. And yeah, we are kind of flavored a little with that country thing. But we're kind of, what I like about Oklahoma City is it's kind of like the Wild West out here. Yes. And especially with marijuana being legalized a couple of years ago, that, and we have this new industry that's pro cropping up here at the same time as our city is experiencing a lot of growth, this is the most exciting place right now. Yep. I mean, I really, I love being here. Like I told 
some of my friends, I said, where other people see a challenge and avoid, there's nowhere here to DJ that nobody likes electronic music. No one knows what drum and bass is. Wah, wah, wah. I'm like, where others see a void, I see an opportunity. And I don't have to compete with 500 other, 1,000 other drum and bass DJs because I'm the one. Yeah. I mean, there are others here. I'm not, you know, I'm, I was just using that as an example. But the point is, is that, and I'm not trying to say I'm a big fish in a small pond because I could easily go back to New York where I have a bunch of friends and DJ out there but it's boring. Here you can start stuff and you can, and I'm meeting all these younger people who are into music that I didn't, I wasn't into before. And it's helping me learn and grow as a DJ so much being here that, you know, I don't want to go anywhere. It's hard. Like I, lately I've had opportunities to leave and I don't, it's, it's like, I don't really want to. It's really hard because, and another thing about being here is that this is such a great, I can't even tell you how what a great place this is to be for an artist. It's affordable to live here. Yes. Yeah. And I, I remember I took a friend of mine from here to New York for the first time and he said, where are all the freaks and weirdos? I thought this was New York City and I said, honey, this is not the New York City of the 90s. It's too expensive. They all moved to yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma. And so here you can afford to like pursue your creative pursuits and um, in a better, you know, when you're out in another city like LA or New York, you have to hustle and grind so much. You don't have the energy to practice or you don't have the disposable income to buy some new gear. And here it's a little easier to do that. And then you have this fresh new blank canvas to paint on without the old attitudes, without the, you know, you know, there's more venues that are a little, well, for every venue I run into that's skeptical and thinks, that I'm some EDM, you know, going to have some wild party. For every venue that's skeptical, there's a venue that's open-minded. And they're like, yeah, we'll give DJs a try. You know, I just got hired for a venue that I've been trying for a year to get a gig there. They're all into bands. And they said, we'll give this DJ thing a try. So, you know, that's the thing. So being, so I want to also, you know, I'm, I'm very focused on younger people. So, you, I mean, that's kind of, I'm talking about that a lot. Because I'm older now, like I'm now parking the car. So I want to help younger people to like succeed in this and maybe learn from my mistakes or depending on what their goal is, I want to help facilitate that. So one of those things I want to tell people is don't feel bad that you're not in LA or New York. I mean, I'm not, I'm encouraging people to go to those cities to learn and meet people, but you can make an amazing life for yourself here and you can have so much fun and we have amazing venues we have awesome people we have this new industry marijuana that's bringing in even if you're not into marijuana it's bringing in all these people yeah. from california and denver and texas that are into electronic music there has never been more opportunity for bands and djs and artists in every element than right now that's what i think i tell people it's the best kept secret in america I say that all the time, too. I'm like, we were talking to uh, friends of ours in a band out in California last week, and, you know, the the dream used to be to go to L.A. and make it, and now I'm, I'm like... People from L.A. are coming here yeah. to make it. I'm like, it's, just, it's like the reverse of the Depression, you know? The Okies yeah. had to go out to California, now it's, they're coming back. But, they're coming here. And Oklahoma, I mean, surprisingly, has a massive talent pool. 
like some of the best songwriters, musicians Absolutely. I've heard live in Oklahoma or, Ta or Tulsa, you. Oklahoma City or Tulsa. Tulsa's a big hub because too. Because in school, we, you know, and that, us being in the Bible Belt, I mean, I grew up in church, you know, I grew up in rural Oklahoma. My parents moved to rural Oklahoma from New York City when I was a little kid. That's and a culture shock. Yeah, <laughs> we went to church. And what do you do in church? You sing. And if you can't sing, you play something. <laughs> and so I think that kids in school, you know, kids here grow up with a tradition of being very musical. I saw that growing up in rural Oklahoma. And so you're right. And it's funny you say that because I think the same thing. We have a massive talent pool here. And how many famous artists in general are inspired by church and gospel music? I would think that they would talk about it because like they brought out so much content. Like Tom Morello's brought out several videos about doing guitar and stuff like that. And maybe it's because he started a master class as well. I don't know if y'all heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a master class. And like the master class is one of those things where you gotta spend like anywhere from five to eight hundred dollars but they go in depth, like video by video, exactly how they do their art. And it's cool. But like the guys from Rage Against the Machine have been uh, posting plenty of content, but I haven't really seen an update on them on doing this another show. show. I think they're waiting on what the regulations from the state, you know, New York is still, because my tickets are for Madison Square Garden in New York, and New York is still kind of figuring out how they're going to reopen and what capacity is going to be like. So I'm, I'm, I would imagine they have to decide if it's going to be worth it to them. Yeah. Because if they can only have 25% capacity, that means 75% of the people have to give up their ticket. Well, even if they turned around and did it like a benefit concert, that's still putting a lot of people at risk. I mean, Madison Square Garden, when it's packed, it's packed. Yes, and it's an indoor venue. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't... I Here's what I've seen bands, yeah. or the idea that bands have put out was... To, to meet the demand of the reduced capacity and still catch a payday, they're having to stay in town for four nights. That, and, the, that's and it's funny yeah. you say that because when they announced the 2021 dates, they had spread it out over four days yeah. to, hey, and hey, to if, reduce. Hey, if that's yeah. hey, if they're willing to do that, it actually worked out great. better because my original ticket was for a Tuesday night and then my new ticket is for a Saturday if it happens. So I'm like, okay, that's even better. Yeah. But um, but we just don't know if it's gonna happen, and um, but I'm just I'm just I don't even care. I'm just eager to go to any concert. You know, it doesn't have to be Madison Square Garden. Like I just want to go to a concert. Yeah. Man, I, I want to pay. I want to wait in line for the bathroom. I want overpriced <laughs> drinks. I want people bumping into me. And you know, when you go to a concert and people bump into you and you get so irritated, like if at this point now somebody bumps into you, I love you, man. <laughs> yes, we're here. We're bumping into each other. I don't know, depending on the concert, I'm like that at concerts too. Just depends yeah. on the pre-party, the... Uh, oh, no, I'm talking about concerts. Pre-game leading up to the concert. I'm talking about concerts. <laughs> I've, gone, I, I've gone to clubs during the... Th I'm not proud of it, but I've gone to some clubs. Um, I wonder what the bars. mosh pits are going to be like. Yeah. Oh, mosh pits again. I, I don't know. Mosh pits have kind of been a dying thing anyway. in America well, they, anyways. Uh, in yeah, Europe, the, it's... the venues force them out. Like yeah. they, uh, They'll stop them. They'll, they'll tell yeah. them, no, 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 no mosh pits over there. Stop that. Like... <laughs> No, I'm yeah. sorry, no fun? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I survived Pantera. I'm, I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's weird because, like, there are clubs and stuff that are open. And for a long time, I didn't feel right about going. And I, and I certainly didn't feel right about booking gigs indoors. Um, I don't know. You know, I think 
there's just a lot of people feel I, I was talking to one of my friends who he's a really famous DJ and he I'm not gonna say his name but he's a producer and a DJ and he tours and that's how he feeds his wife and his child you know and so he's been shamed a lot on Instagram for playing gigs and um, you know there's a there's people started these Facebook and Instagram accounts COVID DJs and they were putting videos of him playing and I was talking to him and I said how do you feel about that and he goes well, you know, if it was up to me, I'd stay home and work too, but I don't have a job where I can work from home. So he's like, so I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily feel right about it, but this is what I have to do to feed my family, you know? And it's not, and people say, well, they can just go get a day job. Well, right now, everyone's having a hard time getting a day job. I mean, and so you're, you're asking these people who devoted their life and actually made a career out of the arts and succeeded against all odds, you're asking them to now suddenly go find a day job when the entire country is looking for a job? Right. All these people out of work, and they've, these people have never worked in anything. I mean, how are you, you know, that's ridiculous, absurd. I'm not saying that they shouldn't find a day job, but it's not that easy. And then you're asking it's them really to not. do, yeah, and you're asking people, oh, well, you're a touring DJ, don't tour anymore. You know, what are they supposed to do if they get offered a gig? You know, I'm lucky and fortunate that I'm, I can say no to gigs because I have other sources of income. So that was, you know, so I have, I don't have a, I don't feel one way or another about it, but I'm, I definitely feel glad I don't have to have that dilemma because that would be really hard because, you know, like my friend, I feel bad for him. He doesn't want people to get infected and stuff, but he also has to take care of his livelihood so I don't know well I mean all, all you can really do is put out the information and people are aware of the risk and this is available and if it's the risk is too big then maybe it's not for you right yet, you kind of you know? have to trust the promoter and the venue to have all you know you as the performer you're on the stage especially if you're a DJ you're really isolated like in a lot of clubs you can't even see the DJ you know because we're playing other people's music so we're nearly not there's nothing to look at with a DJ. <laughs> that's actually, an excellent point. Yeah. Like really because like they're like uh I've seen some DJs actually put up like the plexiglass around them mm -hmm. even though they're already up away from the crowds there at the club and everything yeah. anyway. The only issue I would see there is like like you said it's up to the venues and that's really where I would steer the blame. I had yeah. a friend of mine uh who is also a DJ his name was Paul David West mm -hmm. and he was like, "Hey man, we should go to club 115 tonight." And I was like, Okay, that'd be cool. And then, like, at the last minute before we walked in, he said, oh, by the way, they lifted up the mask uh, mandate here for the club. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, nobody's wearing a mask here in the club? And we get in, and it's just shoulder to shoulder the whole time. Just everybody breathing on each other, getting up in each other's face, asking for a cigarette, that kind of thing. And it's just like, man, I don't feel comfortable doing this. We left after, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. And there was somebody else performing there that night, but he was, like, up high. Right. Nobody could get to him. Uh, but even then, we're all sharing like the same air and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you kind of like. I, I don't think I don't I I don't like that the artist is being singled out just because they're the high profile person, because it's the venue, it's the promoters, it's up to the and the people who decide to come. It's everybody's responsibility to make sure that they're having fun in a safe environment. It's not, and and you're gonna fault the DJ when. They're just trying to put food on their table. Right. I mean, you and know? like, just as a disclaimer, I have nothing against Club One Fifteen here in Oklahoma City. It's a great place. Um, a lot of fun, cool graphics, all that. But like, 
Yeah, it's still something that we're trying to figure out. I mean, statistically speaking... You think they need a drum and bass DJ? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but, like, um, like, my aunt told me, like, statistically, it's going to take us, like, a, the better part of a decade to recover from what we're going through right now. Just across the board. It doesn't matter, like, if you are an artist or if you're, like, a teacher or whatever. It's just going to take a while for us to get back to what we would call normality. And I think that people just have to be prepared for that. Like, when it came to, like, Club 115 isn't the only place. There have been, like, you can go to several bars here in Oklahoma, and it'll have, like, the page up that says, oh, you have to wear your mask before you come in. A lot of people don't even care anymore. Right. They just walk in and, you know. If Florida, you know, it. it's like that in Florida, too. I mean, I mean, when people, the reality is when people drink, they lose inhibitions. That's why people drink. And so, naturally, People are going to get drunk and not necessarily wear their mask or wash their hands. And, you know, everyone has different feelings. Some people, everyone has a different feeling about the pandemic. And regardless of what your feeling is, we still have these rules that were made. And we still have to deal with them. Whether we want to follow them or not, we still have to deal with them. Right? So that has created a difficult environment for everyone. No matter where you fall on the spectrum of belief, it's still difficult. And I just don't think suddenly we're going to, the pandemic's over, we're all going to be, we've got a lot of people who are ready to go and live life normally, but we have a lot of people who, who were really social and active who have agoraphobia now. We have a lot of people who lost loved ones who are traumatized. I mean, no matter what you believe about the veracity of the pandemic, it's affected us all regardless, you know, and economically it's affected a lot of us. So it's been a really hard time for artists and performers. Um, and a lot of those rules have to change now, whether we want them to change or not. One of my friends, uh, who's a promoter in, in Dallas, and he was at the, I mean, he was starting to get some real success. And then the pandemic happened and he's gonna, and he's, he's, he's ready to start planning again. You know, things are opening up. He's in Texas, so it's real open there. But he posted this really great post on Facebook, and he said, you guys, stop asking for comps. Stop asking for drink tickets. Stop asking for free tracks from your producer friends, you know? The era of swag and free stuff and everything, we gotta stop that. I mean, it's not that we don't wanna do it anymore, but everyone's struggling, we're trying to get back on our feet. So the best way you can support your friends is buy their tracks, pay for their show, actually support, you know, tip your bartender. If you're used to tipping 15, tip 25. And if you can't afford to tip 25%, well, buy less drinks, you know, or drink at home. I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to shame anyone, but we've got to actually support each other right now. If we want our scene to come back and we want to be able to perform and entertain and make money off this again. If we want to get back on our feet together, we all have to support each other. And trying to get in free and trying to get free drinks and trying to, it's not gonna work that way. That Those old things are gone. Well, I think little things like that will probably come back once. They will, they will come back eventually. Yeah, yeah, you know, because that's part of the culture. You know. But for now, we gotta to come together in a different way. We can, all be, we can all be jerks to each other later, but we gotta be cool now. Yeah. And the Twitch community, the whole live streaming thing, 
really was eye-opening for me because DJing is very competitive and people a lot of people give up because they get tired of the negativity and the jerks and people don't support me or people are trying to undercut me and da 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 but like the thing is is that so I started doing this twitch thing and I realized real fast the way that you're gonna succeed in this live stream community especially in a platform like twitch is you have to support each other so you got to encourage other DJs, you got to follow other DJs. You can't expect people to support you and follow you if you're not supporting them. It's kind of like showing face at the club, you know, you show face yeah. at another person's show. Absolutely. And, you know, but it's kind of like that, but you have to have a level of engagement. You can't fake the funk. You have to have a level of engagement with others and support and encouragement with others. And the people who are not doing that, the people who are in it for themselves, are struggling. And the people who are trying to collectively elevate the entire scene are succeeding. And so I think another silver lining of this horrible tragedy, the pandemic, is that it's teaching people that we really need to start working together. And um, as altruistic as that sounds, it sounds kind of cheesy and altruistic, but it's actually happening. And it's really cool to see people coming together like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm, one of my big things is like, you know, you just don't get through this human experience alone. I mean, and I'm antisocial as hell. I hate meeting and being around a bunch of new people. But forcing myself into that situation has caused me to grow. And I'm and I'm now more comfortable over being in, you know, crowded room with a bunch of strangers, stuff like that, you know? And it's like, once you do that, you, then you start getting to know these people and you network. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're, you're off on this other tangent. It's crazy. Yeah. Which I think performing helps people, you know, it's like performers, we're all like nerds, you know, like, like, it's, isn't it interesting that it's like the band nerds, they were the nerds, everyone made fun of them. One time I was in band camp, blah, blah, and those are the ones that become musicians and DJs. And then they're in their 20s or 30s and they're performing, everyone thinks they're cool. They didn't start out cool. They started out as the nerds. True story. <laughs> they started, and so they didn't always have this. The, a lot of people, DJs I know are socially awkward. I'm socially awkward. But this pursuit of performing in a band or as a DJ, it helps us socially. Like, it's helped me socially. I've had to learn how to talk to people and get along with people because I'm trying to talk to a venue or I'm trying to be I'm trying to work collaborate with other DJs on making an event happen and 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 but the most successful DJs and promoters I know are the ones who work with other people and collaborate and create an experience and it's not about them it's about making people love and enjoy electronic music well said is there any uh links or your uh any, any place we can put out there, people can get a hold of you for gigs, anything like that? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at undertaker underscore preethi. My Twitch handle is the same, underscore undertaker underscore preethi. Um, I'm also on Facebook under pre-t-grand. <laughs> and um, so you can find me on social media um, and booking information is there. Or even if people just want to, you know, get some advice or learn some stuff. I, you know, I love helping younger people. Like this is, I'm in my retirement now. Like, um, but I really want to, I see so many young people who have dreams of becoming a DJ and everything. And I feel like 
I could really help out people. So I really appreciate you guys having me as a guest because I want to put that out there that if anyone is interested in learning or wants to play out and wants an opportunity to play out, come play. I'll book you. Awesome. You know? So um, I love giving people their first gig. So thank you guys. Hey, thank you for being on. Like I said, I'm, I'm ignorant to electronic music, so I'm glad that someone come in and kind of lace me up a little music bit. Music is music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is ultimately. It's it's there to make you feel a certain way, whether it's amped up or sad. I mean, it, it can take you on a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So, and that's one of the beautiful things about this whole human experience. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap it up real quick and then we can probably finish up with one of her samples, whatever you want us, want us to put out there, we can do it. And uh, I guess that'll be uh, about it for today. I'm Brad Biggs with 13 Step Tone Solutions. I'm Jonathan Grissom with uh, More Bands Media. Uh, the Local Earshot Podcast runs on the value for value system. That is time, talent, and treasure. So um, thank you for listening, and that's your time. Um, your talent, we need artists to come and interview uh, and come out and show us your new music. All genres. You can, all music. All genres. You know, all music. Um, and just uh, send us your music. An email, you can uh, email it to admin at localearshot.com or um, at john at localearshot.com. Um, and then, um, you know, your treasure. Basically, uh, we run on the donation system. So if you want to donate, you can go to localearshot.com slash donate. And you, you can uh, donate in crypto or we take Cash App, uh, Vitmo, um, and um, um, like PayPal and all those different options. Um, on there and so uh, yeah uh, thank you for listening my name is Wilson Powers the only genre of music that we do not cover is bluegrass no bluegrass huh <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got this America's first bluegrass so, DJ <laughs> so I got this friend and uh, they, they play bluegrass um, you want to you wanna hear them uh, no this uh, is, <laughs> no we really are big supporters of uh, not just local music but just music in general and if you're a fan of any like particular uh, band or anything like that you know how hard it is to get that kind of word out there especially in a time like this so anything that you can do to support not only what we're doing but your local musicians and your local venues and just even word of mouth I mean that's what we're all about is just trying to get you know live shows up and running again right yeah that's pretty much what what the gear the goal in mind for us is and also this whole thing's under uh, more bands media um, and, uh, you know, eventually, uh, I think we would like this to be a multimedia channel type of thing. And we want to get as, as much exposure to some of these artists out there as possible, because I'll be the first one to tell you that some of the best music you listen to is buried on a track somewhere and it will never make it to the radio. And that's the kind of stuff we want to play. These sides are the best. Yes. Yep. I love it. All right. Thanks guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>